Hello everyone, Scott here. And uh, if you're watching this on a Sunday, this is known as Trinity Sunday. It is also the 13th Sunday that we have not been able to gather together because of COVID. Um, it also represents the season of, uh, or the start of ordinary time. And if you're not familiar with the church calendar, uh, this is the season after Pentecost that leads up to Advent. And uh, here's a good quote that I think sums up a bit of the essence of the season, and not just ordinary time, but the season that we find ourselves in. This is Joan Chittister. Uh, she says, It is the time, referring to ordinary time, it is the time between times. But it is much more than that. It is the period after each of the major seasons and cycles that immerses us in the implications of what it means to wait for the coming of Christ into our own ordinary lives, to wait for the fullness of time in the next. Um, let me be very clear that uh, there's nothing ordinary about these times that we're in right now. Um, the current events surrounding George Floyd's death, the racism and police brutality, um, the worldwide pandemic that we're still in, uh, financial instability, um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And all, I know how to pray sometimes. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's Lord, have mercy. And uh, before I jump into text or any type of teaching of any sort, I just feel like my words have been so few these days. And um, I just want to ask you, how are you? How are you doing? Um, if there's ever a time that I wish we could gather together, it would be now. And to see each other on a Sunday at the Japanese Hall and to look each other, to cry, to sing, to pray, and uh, just really missing and longing for that time when we can be together to celebrate the Lord's table together and to be together. Um, but for now, we have this, and uh, hopefully this will make do. I also want to say that that's not an empty question when I say, how are you? Um, I'm prepared and I know that my uh, co-pastors, Terry and Nelson, are prepared to listen to your answers to that. So if you want to share, um, email, set up a call, social distance, hang at a park or in one of our backyards or sidewalk, we'd love to walk with you, pray with you. And listen to the answer to that question, how are you doing? Um, I also just want to say, take this time to say a huge thanks to our church, Artisan Church. Uh, just to see the passion arising out of these events has been inspiring. To see people caring for one another. And it just proves again that this is not a, a, a centristic ministry that... Um, that the pastoral ministry can happen within the body. It doesn't just come from the pastors. It's polycentric. And uh, thank you, Artisan Church, for giving so generously to the Benevolent Fund. Uh, I think we've raised over $12,000 uh, for that. Um, neighborhood groups, I want to say a huge thanks to you, uh, the leaders especially, for creating space for community to happen, even if it's remotely um, I know some of you have started to meet in person in backyards, and I think that's so great. Thank you for pushing through Zoom fatigue. 
video fatigue, screen fatigue, uh, home liturgy fatigue. Um, thanks for those who've hosted Zoom rooms. And a shout out to everyone uh, or anyone that's meeting in a Zoom room right now listening to this. Hey, glad that you could uh, gather in this way. Uh, extra, extra special thanks to uh, Matt and Jalen who have officially led the most amount of Zoom rooms and uh, just really appreciate you guys for that. Um, I don't mean this to be awkward, but we, we do have more money to help people. And uh, I know this can be a bit of an awkward conversation, but if you need help, don't hesitate to make yourself known um, to let us know. Yeah, it, things have been tight and rent has been hard. I've been without a job or complications with the CERB, etc. But please make yourself known. And also for those of you who know people or someone who needs care, and not just financially, but just uh, that could use a phone call or um, an encouraging word, please let us know. Um, we we honestly, genuinely want to care uh, for you all the best that we can. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to let you know that too. And uh, yeah, I don't know about you, but the events of this week and the last couple of weeks have really moved me. And um, I, I just have to say this before we move on, that um, if you are a person of color uh, in our community and you have not felt welcome or seen or heard in our church community um, for what it's worth as part of the leadership of Artisan Church, I want to say sorry. And we can do better. We will do better. We value you. We love you. We want to stand with you. Um, as a church, we've expressed this desire to grow in diversity, and I think the energy for this has just only increased uh, recently so yeah with the, that I want to go into Genesis chapter 1 and this uh, this part of the Bible uh, has just creeped up and I I, uh, I say that loosely because I think God's spirit is involved in some of this um, we've been following the lectionary readings and the texts for our sermons and uh, this week was Genesis 1, and I think it's so fitting for this week. So I want to look at this text, and not the whole chapter, uh, but just one small section of it. Um, as you know, Genesis 1 is so rich with uh, just s such good stuff about the creation of the world, statements about goodness. Uh, at the end, there's this powerful image of rest and Sabbath, as God rests on the seventh day. But I just want to focus on this one verse today, and then I want to let uh, an indigenous voice share their story. So Genesis 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 26. It says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. This is the word of the Lord. One theologian uh, mentioned that <laughs> this verse doesn't come until Friday lunchtime. So if you think of the creation story in the narrative, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, kind of the seven days of creation. This is late in the game that God is thinking about making mankind, that the world existed, that 
animals and plants and vegetation existed before. And the, the original context of this uh, is uh, important to pick up on. So before we get into details here, the, the Israelites would have seen this image uh, language and they would have uh, been really familiar with this idea of images. Um, John Goldingay says, by definition, an image is something physical and visible. Most gods had images. The image represented the deity in the world. The real God does not have images of this kind, but the idea of image provides a way of thinking about humanity as the visible, physical representation of God. I love that idea of thinking of humanity as the visible, physical representation of God. Um, unfortunately, this has also been a text that's been used to critique the Black Lives Matter movement by saying, all lives matter. We're all made in the image of God. And yes, this is true, but as I've been learning, and uh, better minds than mine uh, will articulate this far better and more fully, but um, yes, all lives do matter, but until Black Lives Matter, all lives won't matter. There's a few really helpful analogies. Uh, one that I've, I've heard recently is uh, of a neighborhood. And if you imagine a neighborhood with streets, they're all connected. Um, just picture one main street, all these houses and, and uh, friends and uh, community connected. And then one house catches fire. So the neighbors start rushing to this house that's on fire. And one person steps out of a house and says, hey, where are you all going? They say, we're going to put out this fire. Come on, we got to go. Wait, 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 wait. What about, what about my house? And they're like, yeah, what about it? I mean, we, we got to go. Let's go. Let's get this, this, uh, this house that's on fire. And, uh, and then that person says, well, all, don't all houses matter? Like, yes, we're not arguing that. We just have to go pay attention, fix our eyes on, pour our energy into this one house right now. And uh, that's kind of the analogy of uh, when people use this text that everyone's made in the image of God or all lives matter. Yes, 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 of course. But until there's equality, until black lives matter, until the racism stops, then that phrase is meaningless. Um, earlier this week, it was uh, I was really proud of my, my dad and his church in the suburbs, uh, they have a church in Langley, and they hosted a conversation with a friend who is uh, a black pastor from Portland, and uh, I, I watched this interview, and it was something so gracious and so beautiful, partly because there was a friendship there. It wasn't about, um, you know, getting it right or saying the right words and stuff, and um, but there's this really beautiful part where Eric Knox, the uh, that black pastor from Portland, he he talked about the Trinity related to diversity. And um, as I mentioned earlier, this is Trinity Sunday. And so I think really fitting to mention this. And uh, I'm going to read this, what he said in the interview. This is from Eric Knox. He said, the beauty of the Trinity is diversity. If you really want to be an image bearer of God, you need to understand how God bears his own image. The Father Son and Holy Spirit, not one of them tells the fullness of who God is. 
God is all three. Together they paint a beautiful picture of who God is, which first tells me that I could never fully tell who God is apart from other cultures. Secondly, it tells us that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit completely and selflessly dote on one another. They love one another. That's what God has called us to do. And uh, I just want to highlight another voice, uh, an indigenous voice, uh, Cheryl Bear, who is a graduate of Regent. And Regent actually made this video a few years back, but uh, just another uh, glimpse of an image bearer um, from an indigenous voice. So watch this video and then uh, we'll come back for a few more words. When I was six years old, my uncle Norman walked into the Notley River on our reserve and disappeared. And when we lost him, it really was like a light went out on our whole family. When I was growing up and when I was uh, probably in my 30s, I still couldn't even tell the story of my uncle. Whenever I would start to talk about it, my throat would close and my eyes would tear up and I was just frozen with grief. And as I was going through Regent College, I was trying to, trying to figure out uh, who and what was all going on with this grieving. And I read a scripture from Isaiah 53, where Jesus is called one of the strongest names he's called in the whole Bible. He's called the man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. And I thought, Jesus and grief are old friends. But we never really talk about this. We never really hear about this in our churches. So when I heard about this name, the man of sorrows, I thought maybe this one could love me and maybe I could love this one. My name is Cheryl Bear, and I am Natliwetan First Nation. I am trying to make sense of Christianity for my native people. I am a singer, a songwriter, most importantly, a storyteller. And I believe that all people, all nations, are created in the image of God. Growing up native and up in, in northern BC was not easy. It was, you know, you're native or you're not, and there was just some tension there. And so when we have native people who we meet at powwows in different places, they'll say things like, I was raised traditional and I was told to never darken the doorway of a church because once you go in there, they're gonna take away your culture, your regalia, your songs, your dances, and they're gonna turn you into a white person. The gospel was never given to our native people as a gift, as it's supposed to be given. It was used as a tool or a weapon of assimilation against our people. One of the main things that I wanna tell native people is, you are made in the image of God. That is so important to me to build up that and to say God gave us our language, God gave us our songs and our dances, our culture, our ways, our values, and it's good. Being Native is good. Randy and I felt called to go and visit every First Nations community in Canada and the United States, and that was before we knew how many there actually are. 
We traveled for three solid years in an RV. We had no other home. We had our three teenage boys and I was sure I was ruining their lives. We went way up north as far as uh, Dawson City up in the Yukon, up to Skagway and Haynes Junction. As of today, we've been to about 500 of them, so about half. And it's been really fun, really neat to go to so many different nations and be with the people. We just really feel called to be on the land with the people. We really want to retell the story of Jesus in a native way. That's the heart of what we're doing. It feels so good to be able to be comfortable in all of those situations. And I'm really grateful to Region for that because there is, like I said, that broadness of perspective, trying to make sense of a native worldview, native values, and native thinking and our stories in a Christian way. They are, they're very clear in, about being strongly theological and strongly community and, all of that, but there's this perspective that they have that just enriches everyone, I think, and I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for that experience. I uh, just, my heart breaks when I hear that uh, one line from Cheryl when she says that the gospel was never given to our native people as a gift, as it's supposed to be given. It was used as a tool or a weapon of assimilation against our people. And uh, I mean, that's a, such a heavy statement. There's so much in there and so much uh, a history of pain and hurt for First Nations people. Uh, but not only First Nations people, people of color, black people. Um, and uh, I just want to call us to action as we close here. And uh, first is just to recall Nelson's words last week and... Uh, I think really good and timely is to uh, spend time grieving if you haven't already just to sit with all that is going on and to let it soak over you and to cry with it if you need to um, to grieve to listen and to learn and to speak but to grieve and to listen and learn first and uh, I, th I think, too, there's some really good uh, things happening out of this, some good energy that I would say, go for it. Keep it up. Keep learning. Keep speaking. Keep acting on what you're learning. Um, keep your foot on the gas. I've seen this quote and this post go around social media uh, a lot recently. Um, it, but it, it says some are posting on social media. Some are protesting in the streets. Some are donating silently. Some are educating themselves. Some are having tough conversations with friends and family. A revolution has many lanes. Be kind to yourself and to others who are traveling in the same direction. Just keep your foot on the gas. Um, another way that we can act and respond is by prayer. Uh, for our brothers and sisters in the USA. Uh, for racism happening in Vancouver here. I mean, if you've heard horrible stories of it happening on our home front, and it's not acceptable. Um, also want to ask for prayer. This is a really hard time to be a leader in a church. Um, 
And if you think of artisans specifically, uh, our lead pastor stepped down a few months ago. Then a world pandemic hit. We're continuing a really deep and uh, important discussion about uh, LGBTQ uh, discernment, um, the onboarding of new lead team members, the recent uh, racial events and protests around the world, all of these things. Uh, there's a lot going on, so uh, pray for us, pray for our church, pray for each other. And uh, just to wrap up, uh, I know it's not Pentecost, but just found this prayer so moving and helpful. Uh, it's called, I Can't Breathe, and I want to read it as we close our time together. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Who moaned? A black man, head locked by a boot, under a police car in Minneapolis. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Who couldn't even breathe that? A Jew man, hands locked by nails, suffocating on a Roman cross outside Jerusalem. That's what crucifixion does. George didn't pretend to be Jesus. Jesus did intend to die for George and all the Georges of the world. I wonder, was he there, trying to breathe for George or breathe out with him? Oh, dear Jesus, please breathe your breath on us again for all those suffocating in sin or sorrow, in sickness or servitude or slavery. Breathe out your Pentecostal fire on all flesh black, brown, yellow, red, white. Burn out our hatreds, our silences, our forgettings, before we all burn, before we all die.